You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls. This is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon face-to-face in the land of Israel, and I've got great news. My suitcase has arrived, which means Nehemia is going to be in a lot better mood because I'm going to smell a lot better. But we are here, and it's so funny. We got the suitcase. Nehemia noticed that on my suitcase, it actually said rush, (laughs) 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 which clearly I think they must have thought (laughs) it really didn't mean that. But either way, finally it's here, and so we're going to record this one, which is one of my favorite sections, actually, Nehemia. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, verse 17. The Maccabees are special Prophet Pearl sponsors are helping us out with this. Hey, Maccabees, we appreciate you. We're in the land of the Maccabees, about to go into this wonderful uh, passage. So, Nehemiah, let's get this party started. Yeah, you say this is your favorite passage. I'm counting 50 favorite passages, Keith. (laughs) No, 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 I'm nowhere near the amount of passages. All right. Anyway, the reason why it's one of my favorites is because it just I just love the the I love this opportunity when you get a chance to go into history and you kind of see these things that uh, that connect and just with everything we've already studied so it's it's second samuel chapter uh six verse one starting well and can i just uh, tell people that yes, we please. always encourage them to go look at the parallel in, in chronicles when there is one yes so here two samuel chapter two samuel chapter six the parallel is one chronicles chapter 13 beginning in verse one how about the prophet pearls about the torah pearls section what, 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 what's the okay here? so so here the the um the torah pearls let's see is uh the portion of shmini which is leviticus 9 1 to 1147 mm-hmm. and there it's talking about um you know it's leviticus it's you know those uh commandments related to the the ritual around the tabernacle well, yeah you memorize that stuff you have that stuff too and <laughs> yeah. anyway hey i'm learning a lot here uh folks yeah. you should know I'm, I'm here with nehemia and one of the things that when we're when we're doing radio shows from different parts of the world you know you basically get together and you 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 do you do exactly what you know you do you spend an hour and a half or whatever uh, recording one of the things that not, about nice is about being here is that we get to discuss other things not only uh, the passages but some other things and I got to tell you every time we're together uh, my eyes are opened at a different level um, one of the things that really has been surprising to me uh, is just the understanding of the Hebrew language and and what I assumed and I say that word very carefully I assume by those who who maybe knew knew portions of the Hebrew language. But I made a really big assumption, and that was that if you were if you were a cantor, if you were a person who sang uh, the 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 the, uh, the Torah, that my understanding would be since you could sing it, it would mean you understood it, and that really wasn't the case at all. That basically, from an educational standpoint, um, there's there really is a there really is a, a depth of um, understanding that you can go to with the actual Hebrew language, and that you were mentioning to me that there are a lot of people who read the prayers and they read the prayers in Hebrew. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, so, so, yeah. yeah. So, so you have to understand. Um, in Israel, Israelis speak Hebrew, and they have no problem with it. But in in the diaspora, Jews outside of Israel, especially in the United States, which is the largest community of Jews outside of Israel, mm-hmm. um, and until recently, in fact, there were more Jews in the U.S. than there were in Israel. Um, so the, the educational method of the diaspora Jews historically has been, uh, you know, you've got these certain prayers that you need to recite every day, and then on Shabbat, and so the focus of the educational system of the diaspora was to get Jews to be able to read Hebrew. Now, that's very misleading because, you know, if you uh, read a language, you assume you understand it. But actually, that wasn't even important because Hebrew is written with consonants and vowels. You can read it 100% without any problem, read every single word perfectly, but not understand it. Mm -hmm. And I would say probably most Jews in the United States who can read Hebrew perfectly cannot necessarily understand it, most of what they're reading. In fact, probably the average Jew who can read Hebrew perfectly in the U.S. maybe understands 10% of what he's reading. Wow. And in fact, to the point where you'll even have cantors and even rabbis of synagogues who will uh, be able to read Hebrew perfectly and impress you with all these Hebrew terms and terminology. But when it comes to you know pulling a verse out of Scripture and saying, you know, okay, translate this, this they have no clue what it means. And so you've actually, now, not to get not, not to go too far on this, Nehemi, but this is really kind of significant because yeah. a lot of times, what, and this refers to our conversation a couple weeks ago uh, regarding sort of who you have to listen to and, 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 by, and by title, if a person has a certain title, if I'm a rabbi, that means... I'm, I'm, you know, in a place where I can be the one that you can either be under and, and you can learn. And in many cases, the, the, the work, the hard work of trying to understand uh, what Scripture means in this language, history, and context, it doesn't just come by title. I mean, you've got to go through the work. You've got to understand. Well, and, so. and, and to be sure, there's definitely you know, rabbis and, and even, you know, laymen in the, um, you know, in the Jewish world in America who, who can read 
scripture without a problem and understand everything they're reading. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're talking about the average Jew in America, even an average Orthodox Jew, you know, it's interesting when I was growing up, uh, I was raised Orthodox and I was taught to read the Torah. But when it came to the prayers, we were taught when you read these prayers, here are what we call what they call to have kavanah or these are the kavanot. Mm -hmm. That's the Hebrew word for intention. And it never occurred to me growing up what a strange concept that was. Really, the concept is that when I'm reciting a certain prayer, and really, it's prayer by rote. I recite the same prayer three times a day. Mm-hmm. When you're reciting that same prayer three times a day every day of your life, here's what you're supposed to think about. At the time, it didn't seem strange. Now it seems so strange looking back. What do you mean what am I supposed to think, think about? To I should be thinking about what I'm reading. I'm <laughs> yeah. reciting these words. Should right. I be thinking about the words? Yeah. And, the, and, the real, and the answer to that is, well, the average person reciting those words doesn't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And so you have to teach him when you're you know, reciting this prayer, here's what you should be thinking about. You know, either because that's the content of the prayer or because, you know, this is, you know, what you should be focusing on in, in, in your mm-hmm. prayer thoughts. But the point is um, the average Jew reading Hebrew, unfortunately, in the diaspora throughout really throughout history, didn't understand what he was reading. You know, mm-hmm. there were many Jews who could read Hebrew perfectly fluently, who, you know, will read a prayer. What was that prayer you just read? I got no clue. No idea was the wow. answer. Wow. You know? well, I that's think not it's, everybody, but it, it's, it's probably the vast majority. Well, I think there's going to be an opportunity for people to be able to read and to understand. And we're going to do the best that we can to help people in that process. So let's get started. Amen. Right here in 2 Samuel 6, verse 1. Now David, you know, David, the king, <laughs> again, again, gathered all the chosen men of Israel. There were 30,000. And then it says from there, and I'm thinking right away, when I see that verse, I thought he again gathered all the chosen men of Israel. 30,000, I'm thinking we're getting ready for war. Right. <laughs> what do you is, think? When well, you re- it's spiritual warfare. So. Is, no, I mean, when you read that, isn't that what you kind <laughs> Absolutely, of... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 then, and then it says, and then and it says, and then David arose and went with all the people who were with him. And then there's the name of this 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 place. And, you know, I don't know if we want to deal with this or not, but I thought it was really we interesting. We do, but I think first we have to give the background. Okay, but, but so let's talk yeah, about the place. Well, no, let me just read it. David rose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah. To bring up from there the ark of God, and then I love this phrase, one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible, which is called by the name. What name? It goes on to tell us the very name Yehovah Tzavahot, Yehovah of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. That's what the verse says. All right. So they're coming and they're going to bring the ark and they're going to take it to a different place. Yes. Um, Let's give the background here. So... um, So the Ark is captured by the Philistines at the Battle of Ebenezer, or Ebenezer in the time of Eli, who is the, the high priest you know, who raised up Samuel. That happens in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 11. Then the Ark is taken to the Philistine cities of Ashdod, 1 Samuel 5, 1. Then the Gat, 1 Samuel 5, 8. To Ekron, 1 Samuel 5, 10. Then finally a place called the Field of the Philistines in 1 Samuel 6, 1. Mm-hmm. Eventually it's returned to Beit Shemesh, that's 1 Samuel 6, 13 where the people were punished for looking upon it. That happens mm-hmm. in verse 19. Mm-hmm. Now, why were they punished for looking upon it? In number, Numbers 4, 5 to 6, the Levites were commanded to cover the ark with three layers. Exactly. There was the parochet, the, the veil. Um, there was this tachash, sort of leather, possibly. And then there's the blue cloth on top of all that. So there's actually three layers of cloths or coverings over the ark uh, that covers it whenever it's moved. And, the, and what this really means is nobody saw the ark. The high priest didn't see it on Yom Kippur. Why is that? Because when he would enter the Holy of Holies, he would first put the smoke inside, and he wouldn't go in until the smoke covered the ark. That's in Leviticus 16.2 and then 12 to th- verses 12 to 13. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, the ark is brought to a place called Kiryat Yarim, to the house of Avinadav on the hill. Um, Bagivah, it says, which is the hill. And that's actually a place that we've seen. We've there's, been there. There's, there's a monastery yeah, there to this there. day. <laughs> um, it's in a place called Abu Ghosh today. Yeah, the um, best restaurant in all of uh, Yeah, in all area. of, uh, well, yeah. That area. <laughs> that area, right. Uh, it was kept there at, at the hill of Avinadav for 20 years by and by his son Elazar. Kirat Yarim was a Gibeonite city. The Gibeonites were designated as altar servants by Joshua in uh, Joshua chapter 9, verse 27. Mm. Um and then in 1 Samuel 14, 18, the ark is brought out to battle against the Philistines at Gibeah of Benjamin. And that's the last time we hear about the ark. Mm-hmm. One Samuel. So we're in 2 Samuel, chapter 6. The last time we heard about the ark was 1 that's Samuel That's not the 14, last 18. time we hear about the really? ark. Really? Where's the last time? That's not, that's not, that's not, in the Bible? Said, uh, of course not. No, 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 no. From these two events. Yeah, yeah. About. Okay, got you. Yeah. So, so between 1 Samuel 14, 18, correct me if I'm wrong, until... I'm going to look it up right now and make sure I'm right. <laughs> Good. If not, I'll be happy to, to yes. know I was wrong. Yeah. But I believe between 1 Samuel 14, 18 and 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, we don't hear anything about the ark. Let's see. He didn't see it, folks. We do hear about the we ark. We do. Okay, so tell me what we hear. <laughs> you know about Josiah. Uh, Come on. No, I'm talking about between two. Between the, between, these two passages. Yes. Yeah. So here we've got about the ark. Or, yeah. Hold on. 
Let's go back because you, you, you're challenging me. <laughs> so 1 Samuel 14, 18. Where is this? Hold on. Um, yes. Looking at my little computer program here. While he's doing that, folks, yeah. um, the, the one thing that really is kind of cool. Yeah, is so that, 1 yeah. Samuel 14, 18 mentions the ark. Yep. And the next time the ark is mentioned is in 2 Samuel 6, 2. Yep. Okay. So the entire rest of the book of Samuel, of 1 Samuel, and, all, and the first five chapters of 2 Samuel don't mention the ark. That's right. Meaning the last time we heard about the ark was in the time of Saul. And then, it, then we don't hear about it again until the time of David. Gotcha. So David's going to go and get the ark. And this yeah. most important thing that has in its side the, the word of God. Uh, this also, you know, it's interesting. We, we actually talked about this in Torah Pearls. So make sure that you check in the Torah Pearls. Remember in, in Numbers where, uh, where they'd be about to go out to war? Arise, O Yehovah, may your enemies be scattered. Yeah. I mean, that's just a powerful. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so now in chapter 6, verse 2 of 2 Samuel, we have this amazing statement. That the name of the ark was, quote, the name of Yehovah of hosts who sits on the cherubim, mm-hmm. on the cruvim. Mm-hmm. Can, can you t- tell us? No, I mean, I think that, that's, I mean, that, that, that alone just, I mean, when I, when I read that, I want to ask myself, well, where does that come from? And again, the issue was, was when we went back to Numbers, and I think it's, what is it, Numbers chapter, uh, what, is, what is it, Numbers? Which one are you looking where, for? Where Moses, as they're about to go out to war, and he, they would lift up the ark, and he'd say, Arise, O Yehovah, may your enemies be scattered. Yeah, well, so it wasn't actually just when they went out to yeah. war. It's whenever they traveled. Whenever they traveled. That's so right. it's here in, um, let's see, I've got the verse. I don't, didn't write down where it is, though. Um, it's verses 35 to 36. I'm mm-hmm. not sure which 35 chapter. to 36, one oh. of those chapters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, in Numbers. Um, and it says, Vayibin saw Aaron, Ha'aron, Vayomel Moshe. And it came to pass when the, when the ark would travel, and Moshe would say, Arise, Yehovah, and let your enemies be scattered, uh, and let your, those who hate you flee from before you. And when it would rest, he would say, Come on. Return, return Yehovah, mm-hmm. of the, the tens of thousands of the thousands of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another way of saying Yehovah of hosts. Um, it's very, because hosts is a large number of people. It's really interesting. And, and if a pagan came to this, they would say, actually, the Israelites worship the ark. Mm-hmm. The ark is Yehovah. It mm-hmm. doesn't represent him, and you don't hear his voice from there. It is Yehovah. A pagan reading it would hear, oh, it's Numbers chapter 10, verses 35 to 36, it says here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so one of those chapters somewhere. So you could come to the conclusion, if you were uh, not an Israelite and didn't know any better, that um, the ark is Yehovah, that they worship this object, but mm-hmm. actually it's not Yehovah. Um, but here's this amazing statement. That helps us understand Numbers 10 here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 2. It, uh, it says, Aaron uh, HaElohim, the Ark of Elohim, Asher Nikra Shem, which was called uh, in the name or by the name. Shem Yehovah Tzvaot Yosheva Kluvim Adav, the name of Yehovah of hosts uh, uh, who, uh, who sits upon the Kruvim, mm-hmm. which that's the name of the Ark. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, uh, can you? No, I mean, it's. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I don't know what else to say about it other than the fact that that's his name. I mean, it's, that's what they call the ark. Well, and then, and then we have 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, where uh, this is when there's, you know, they look upon it and there's this, you know, plague. It says, uh, and the men of Beit Shemesh said, who can stand before Yehovah, the, this holy God, and who can, uh, so, so wait a minute, they, they make it sound like the ark is Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this definitely, definitely even by some of the Israelites, there there seems to be maybe a confusion because the ark is so holy. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, mess up around it, they, you know, people die. Um, Jeremiah 3.16, we have the verse about the ark no longer being remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end times, we've talked about that. We don't talk about it again. Uh, Joshua chapter 9, verses 17 and 27. What do we have here? Um, oh, that that's, has to do with the issue of. Was there anything else about the ark? You yeah, no. Well, I mean, so they say they place. So they 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 have the ark. David is on his way to go and get the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands the significance of the ark. They place the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Ab- of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahiel, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. Now, I'll tell you, this is where this this story gets really interesting to me. Uh, it later says in six four it says and so they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. Keep talking about the hill, and he was walking ahead of the ark. And meanwhile, what verse are you in? I'm in six four. Okay. Okay, you still there? I want to go back to the place where they took the ark from. Okay, gotcha. Can we talk about yep. that? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, or where they left from? In, in verse two it says, and, and, uh, and he oh, rose my. up. And David, and you kind of, you read it and you kind of blurred, you know. I wanted to talk it. about it. Then you said, said we had to though. give the background to all it. All right. So now we've got the background. Let's talk about it. Okay. So and all the people who were with him from, it says in Hebrew, Baalei Yehuda. Mm-hmm. 
the the Baalei Judah could mean the masters of Judah, mm-hmm. but it also means the Baals of Judah. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you, <laughs> there's a name called, a name of a place called Baal, the Baalim or the Baalei Yehuda. That's and bizarre. we can find and we can find that where the where the where they uh, use the name Baal. Uh, Judah, and isn't it my, my my imagination? But isn't this also was was called something else? Well, so in one one Chronicles chapter thirteen verse six, which is the parallel passage, it's it 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 appears a little bit differently. It's mm-hmm. called Baalata, Baalata, um, which and then it says to Kiryat Yaarim, which is to Judah. Mm-hmm. So Baalata probably is a village, or maybe even a, a neighborhood, mm-hmm. but probably a, a little village attached to Kiryat Yaarim. Joshua fifteen verse nine mentions Baala. Which is Kiryat Yaarim, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then in Joshua fifteen sixty and eighteen fourteen, it says Kiryat Baal, the, which in Kiryat, by the way, means city. Mm-hmm. So the city of Baal, which is Kiryat Yaarim. Mm-hmm. So four times we have this uh, reference to some kind of a city called Baal or Baalata or Baal Yehuda mm-hmm. or um, Kiryat Baal, and it, and these apparently all refer to the same city, mm-hmm. which is or a, a village which is associated with Kiryat Yaarim. Now Kiryat Yarim itself is interesting because it's one of the um, it's one of the the Gibeonite cities. Mm-hmm. So we have in Joshua chapter nine verses seventeen to twenty seven, uh, it says, "And the children of Israel traveled, and they came to their cities in the third day, and the, their cities were Gibeon and Kephira and Beirot and Kiryat Yarim." So there's mm-hmm. four Gibeonite cities, mm-hmm. Do you, uh, and we're not going to you know we remember the story of the Gibeonites. They, mm-hmm. they didn't want to be destroyed by the Israelites. They pretended they're from far away, made a covenant. Then they and were that stuck. Stood. That covenant stood. <laughs> yeah. And then it says Joshua placed them uh, on that day as cutters of wood and drawers of water for the for the congregation, for and for the altar of Jehovah until this day, to the place where he will choose. Mm-hmm. So you ask this question. Wait a minute. The ark is at um, the house of Avi Nadav, uh, and and then we're finding out that there's this place Kiryat Yarim, which is a Gibeonite city. What is the ark doing at the Gibeonite city? And that's because the Gibeonites were appointed by Joshua to have this service for the tabernacle and for the temple. Yes. So they were appropriate to be to be doing that. Um, and it's really interesting, these Gibeonites, because they're not by race Israelites. They're mm-hmm. not descended from Jacob. Mm-hmm. They're not really, you know, there's this, they're basically like kind of a separate people who have, you know, kind of been attached to Israel. Um, and then Jeremiah 2620, we have a really interesting reference. Uh, let me just pull that up. Jeremiah 2620. It says, um, and there was also a man who prophesied in the name of Yehovah, Uriahu, the son of Shmayahu, from Kiryat Yarim. From Kiryat Yarim. And he prophesied over this city and over this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. So we have here a prophet whose name is, he's like a very obscure prophet, Uriahu, the son of Shmayahu, <laughs> and he is a Gibeonite. It's a Gibeonite. And as far as I know, this is the only Gentile prophet in the entire Tanakh who's a legitimate prophet. Mm. Uh, or the non-Israelite prophet, because we do have obviously Balaam, but Balaam turns out to be a bad seed. He's a bad this seed. guy's a legitimate prophet. Mm. He's a you know, and how many legitimate? We have lots of Israelites who are bad prophets. You know, four hundred and or whatever the number is yeah. in the in the in one Kings twenty-two. Here we have a legitimate Gibeonite prophet. So that just tells us how relevant and how significant the Gibeonites are. Nehemiah chapter seven verse twenty-nine mentions people of three of the Gibeonite cities as returning to the land of Israel with Zerubbabel, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So it's not that these Gibeonites just disappear; mm-hmm. they continue to be part of the people of the Jews who returned. Mm-hmm. Isn't so, it interesting though? Yeah. Can you say his name again? Zerubbabel. No, the Gibeonite, the, the the prophet. Oh, Oriahu ben Shmayahu. Oriahu. So what does Oriahu mean? Oriahu, I guess, comes from the word or, which is light. Yehovah is my light. Yehovah is or my possibly light. Yehovah is my furnace. Son of Shmayahu, which means uh, listen, you know, hear Yehovah. Yehovah who hears. It's so funny when I, when I think about uh, his name and I think about, you know, what, what it would mean. We say, it's a gen, we call him a Gentile, mm-hmm. uh, a Gentile prophet, but yet he's got this name. I should say non-Israelite. You're non-Israelite. That's more yeah, accurate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Isn't that interesting, though? Yeah. Um, so, and that is interesting because there is a discussion in, in Jewish sources about, well, if somebody converts to Judaism, if they join the people of Israel, can they be a prophet? And here we see the answer is clearly yes. Wow. That there, there are no two, you know, there's no second class citizens in Israel. Mm. If you're a man, if you're part of the people of Israel, you're part of the people of Israel. Amen. Anyway, the three cities mentioned in Nehemiah 729 are Kiryat Yarim, Kfirah, and Beirut. Mm. Um, and it's clear by the time of Nehemiah, the Gibeonites are assimilated as Israelites. There's, mm-hmm. there's really no distinction between them. Uh, it doesn't call them Gibeonites in Nehemiah 7.29. It just says where they're from. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Anyway, yeah, so let's talk about the Ark coming from the Gibeonite city. Okay, so uh, we gave some background on that. And I, I thought you were going to say something. I, yeah. I'm not going to wait till, till later. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. I'll wait till we're done and say, why didn't you bring this up? And you say, okay. why didn't you brought that up in the river? <laughs> why don't you bring that up? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding you. All right. All right, so it says, and they placed the Ark of God on a new cart. What verse are you in? Three? Three. Okay. All right, and they placed it, uh, and they brought it from the house of Benadab, which was on the hill, on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the Ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Again, again, we're talking about the hill. And I want to, I just want to say something. This is the hill in Kiryat Yarim, where the monastery is is today. Which is amazing, because um, having been there, now I've been there several times. And and when you say the hill, when you're in that area, you know where the hill is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's only one place (laughs) where where the hill is. And And again, it's another example where geography is so... Amazing to actually see. Now, when you say the hill here, you're like, well, you know, it's just which a hill? hill. Yeah, which <laughs> hill? But there it says the hill. And in, in that place, you actually see exactly where that is. Yeah. But it said David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before Yehovah. And there's another example. They're celebrating before Yehovah with all kinds of uh, instruments, uh, wood, lyre, harp, tambourines, etc. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nahon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen nearly upset it. Now, <laughs> the ark, the, what? Yeah. They nearly upset it. Yeah. Nearly or, upset. Let, let, can we finish yeah. reading yeah, the yeah, yeah. story and then we'll go back and yep. talk about nearly upset it? Yep. And the anger of Yehovah burned against Uzzah and God struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. And this mm-hmm. is just before David got angry. All right, go ahead. Oh, read one more verse. Okay. David became angry because of Yehovah's outburst against Uzzah. And that place is called Peretz Uzzah to this day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, so first of all, parrots uza. The word parrots means outburst or mm-hmm. to burst forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Hebrew, it's a play on words. It says parats Yehovah uh, parrots uza. He called it. He said Yehovah is parats. He burst forth, and therefore it's called parrots uza. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had another discussion once about Baal pratzim in my mm-hmm. book, Shattered Experience yep. of Silence. Anyway, it's the same word, and, and one of ans- the ancestors of David is a man named Parrots because mm-hmm. he came out. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this is interesting. So, so what did you have there at the end of verse six? So it says, and but when uh, they, they came to the threshing floor of uh, uh, Nahon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. What what does that even mean? What what translation is that? And that's an NASB. Okay, so if you read that in the NASB and you didn't know the Hebrew, would you know what that meant? Well, you know, if I just read it the way it is there, it says and, and they took hold of it for the oxen nearly upset it, meaning the oxen what does that mean? upset the cart. The cart. Oh, 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 oh. So it like destabilized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so JPS has for the oxen had stumbled. King James has for the oxen shook it. Um, NIV has but because the, the oxen stumbled. So what's the real word there? And it's really, do you know what the word is in Hebrew? I can't even see what we're at The here. word is shamtu, and that's the word shemitah. Ah, you know, everyone's talking this year in 2015 about the shemitah, mm-hmm. which is the seventh year sabbatical year. And the word Shemitah literally means to let something go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about, you know, uh, not um, plowing the fields, which you're mm-hmm. letting that the fields go. And also uh, in Deuteronomy 15, too, you can see this very clearly. It says, every creditor that lendeth ought unto his neighbor shall release it. Mm-hmm. And the word for release it is Shamat. Mm-hmm. It's to, and you could also translate it as to throw something down. The, the person, the literal translation in Hebrew is Shamot, throw down. Or let go every master of a loan of his hands that he lends to his fellow. So he's got this loan in his hand. He's holding the debt in his hand, mm-hmm. the certificate of debt. He's saying, let it go. And, and, I, and I apologize, Keith, but when I hear this, every time now I hear about Shemitah and I think about this, I think of the song, the Disney song, let it go. No, 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 no. Let no it Disney, go. No, and, were... and the reason I think about that is I actually taught that to my Chinese students in China. And there are two translations in Chinese. One is Sui Taba. Um, which means let it be. And the other, which is more popular, is funkai show, funkai show, which literally means open the hand. open. The, and that's what Shemitah means. It means open the hand and let it go. Okay. So what happened here is the oxen were carrying this thing, and they almost let it go. They almost Which let means it go. they almost dropped it. They almost dropped it. Yeah, they almost, you know, yeah. Okay. Now, funkai I will tell you, show, I will let, tell you something, something so really interesting. So one of the things that uh, one of the things that I did, um, and you actually were a part of it. You were you were you weren't as excited about it as I wanted you to, but eventually you you, you moved into the mode, which was really kind of exciting. And that was where I, I told you that I wanted to go on a journey 
to find like a, like the best way I could say it, it's like in the footsteps of the ark from where we know yeah. of it crossing the Jordan until we get to those five uh, those five cities the Philistine cities and I mean, I just want to bring this up because you you brought something up earlier about how um, the ark sometimes being seen as as a god and it's interesting the Philistines go so far as to as to as say it. When they when the ark came into the camp, they said their god came into the camp. I think it was something like that. Mm-hmm. So that the Philistines actually saw it as the ark, meaning yeah. the ark as as if you know they took they took it to talk about it as it was as if it was God. But what was so was so interesting about this is that the journey of the ark going into that place that God allowed allowed for um, two things two things happening. One that the ark itself was taken. Mm-hmm. Like it was actually it was taken, captured but it was, being, it was being captured. But then with that capturing came judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, I was just. So the Philistines thought they had power over the ark. Exactly. And, and the truth is that the ark had power over that. You really don't want to play with God. You don't want to mess <laughs> with God. You don't want to mess with God. And they didn't, you know, if they'd only seen the movie uh, Indiana Jones exactly. with, with the ark. Exactly. And, where the faces are melted off. It's, you know. But that's, you know, that's obviously exaggerated in the movie, but it's not far from the but, truth. But the reason I'm bringing that up, and yeah. then again, we also found the situation, as you talked about, mm-hmm. Beit Shemesh, where the men of Beit Shemesh, they saw, uh, they saw the ark. What does it say? They opened. Did it say they opened it or did it say they just looked at it? How does it say that? Where they, they looked upon it. They looked I'm not, upon it? I'm not mistaken. Okay. But I could be. People look it up and, and post Please in the tell comments. Us, yes. And say Nehemiah was wrong. <laughs> he was right. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah. the point is, is yeah. that so? So we we have David's history and understanding. You know, mm-hmm. you know all these things that are going on, and then this act takes place. The anger of Yehovah burns against Uzzah, mm-hmm. and God struck him down there. And it says for his what irreverence. Verse are you reading? I'm reading oh, in six seven. Okay. So I want to ask you a question. What in the text? In other words, what does the text say that shows irreverence? That he reached out? So first of all, notice. I want to look at the other translations okay. and see what they say. Yep. Because I'm curious. Yours has irreverence. Um, this is, so this is 2 Samuel mm-hmm. chapter 6, verse 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the word in Hebrew is shal. Mm-hmm. So literally it says, al-hashal, because of the shal. Mm-hmm. Uh, King James has, and God smote him there for his error. Okay, he was an error. JPS has, uh, uh, God struck him down on the spot for his indiscretion. So we have indiscretion, error. NIV has uh, of his irreverent act, and um, which ones did you read? NRSV has struck him because he reached out his, uh, let's see, so um, NRSV doesn't actually translate the word, it skips it. (laughs) And and, and here's the interesting thing, it says because of the shal, shal is what we call a hapax legomenon. It's Mm -hmm. a unique word that only appears here once in the entire Tanakh. And really, it's one of these words that we have to say the meaning is uncertain. It's uncertain. Um, something happened. And, and it's, here's an interesting p- thing. You know, people will always talk about, uh, I'll hear many people talk about the Septuagint, how, you know, we, we, we've got to go by the Septuagint, the, you know, the ancient Greek translation of, of, the, of the Bible. Um, even though the original Septuagint was only the five books of Moses and the prophets were translated much later by unknown people. Um, but, you know, and this is in Samuel, which is considered part of the prophets in, in the Hebrew. So, so the Septuagint leaves out this word because it doesn't know how to translate it. Mm. Just, and, so the, and the NRSV is basing itself on the Septuagint saying, look, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to ignore it. Um, some of the modern scholars suggest that this is a, a scribal error, meaning they don't know what to do with it, so they just ignore it. Um, in Aramaic, the word shali means error. Mm-hmm. And so those who are translating it as error, they're getting it from the Aramaic. Uh, Aramaic is a sister language of Hebrew, another mm. Semitic language, and so that's that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. Meaning, it may not be correct, but it's a legitimate uh, approach mm. to say if we don't know what the word is in Hebrew, let's look into other Semitic languages mm-hmm. and see if they can shed light. In Akkadian, the word shulu means to treat disdainfully, mm-hmm. and what you can see if you look at the different translations, some of them are ignoring it, like the Septuagint. Some of them are basing it on the Aramaic, and some are basing it on the Akkadian. And the bottom line from all this is we just don't know. And I, I got to tell you something that, and this is something that I think is so cool about just just the study, just the study. You know, Nehemiah, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 words in the, the verse of 2 Samuel 6, 7. Uh-huh. And by you going through word by word, you find this one pearl. Now, I consider this a pearl. I really do consider this a pearl. Okay. Because here's an example where you, by looking at other, other translations, looking at the English translations, looking at the Hebrew, you find that there's this word here. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, after it's all said and done, we don't know exactly what the word means. But we do know, mm-hmm. because of that word, this thing happened. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, whatever it was, because of his shawl, whatever, other, shawl, whatever, whatever is, shawl was, right. whatever shawl was, Yehovah through his eyes mm-hmm. saw uh, saw Uzzah do this thing. And again, we could we could con- make conjecture. Maybe he, you know, maybe he got mad and started cussing. And, and, and it actually could be because he took his shoe off. Because the word shawl as a verb means to take off your shoe. Maybe to, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe I could I could because do the of the teaching. removal of the shoe. I could do a whole teaching on this. You know, <laughs> this is a holy ground. Maybe he didn't take his shoes off. You know what I'm saying? It's possible. It's, you know, we don't know what it is. But I think what's exciting, and I want to slow down and just say this. Yeah. What's exciting is. Is again, people. There are ways that you can actually learn this, where they could at least find out what each of the words are, yeah. and 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 find out what the issue is. Not always knowing the answer, but knowing what the questions are. To yeah. me, in many t- many cases, becomes the biggest blessing. So in this situation, we just know that Uzzah is 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 going along with this whole process, and he does something that causes Yehovah to strike him down, and David didn't like it. When, when, when that happened... What's the like? Of course he didn't well, like No, it. I'm saying, David, no, I'm, I'm, whatever it was, David's like, look, this is not acceptable. So David was, and it says, here's what it says in 6.9, and you can please um, mm-hmm. see, see if, there's a, if there's a difference here. In the NASB, yeah. it says, so David was, and it uses the word afraid. It was, David was afraid of Yehovah that day. And he said, how can the ark of Yehovah come to me? So... Whatever it is that happened, I mean, we, we know what happened physically. What happened is that, is that Uzzah died. But, I mean, for David, he's like, well, look, there's a direct relation between whatever he did, Shaul, and the fact that he died. So David says, all right. Well, what he did is clear. He stuck out his hand. Okay. Um, and that was a Shaul. Why that was a Shaul, I don't know. Right. Uh, was it an error? Was it an indiscretion? Whatever. Um, or some other no, unknown thing. He clearly stuck out his hand and he died as a result of it. And, and that's scary. David's right. Mm-hmm. David's thinking, oh, man, I, I, you know, I, I, I committed adultery and, you know, I've done all these things and God's had mercy on me. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with this ark where you just do some minor little thing like this and God strikes you down with, you know, what? He's done some major things and survived it. Yeah. He's thinking, I, I'm not ready. I can't have this. is scary. I can't have this. This yeah. ark. This is a scary thing, the ark. So what and, 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 and when it says David feared, literally it says in David, David feared Yehovah on that day. Mm. He was afraid. Exactly. You right know, how, so. how, you know, yeah, rightly so. I, by the way, and we won't go into this, but I just want to invite people who uh, to go to 1 Chronicles 13 2 mm. and see that for this idea of Peretz Uzzah, the, the bursting forth upon Uzzah. Um, uh, there's another pun there. And if you look in the Hebrew, you'll see that word Peretz with a slightly different meaning. Uh, it's kind of like a more intricate pun. That's kind of a bonus for those who are able wow. to read okay. it. Yeah, yeah, awesome, pretty cool. Yeah, let's go. All on. right. So anyway, so David uh, gets this and he says, "Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna bring this uh, with back to me to, to Jerusalem." So he took it aside to the house of Obed Edom, and then it says, "Obed Edom, the get tight." Now, is this really the get tight? Like, like the get, like, like, uh, like uh, that big guy who fought David. So you're referring to Goliath, the Gittite. You think it's the same Gittite? It's a different Gittite, but he's from the same place. You think it's the absolute same? Absolutely. So you think there's... Now, like- uh, now we should say there were not a lot of places called Get- Got. Okay. A Gittite is somebody from Got. Yeah. Um, there's at least three places. There's the Philistine Got, mm-hmm. there's Got Limon, and there's Got For example, Jonah... Yonah ben Amitai, or the prophet Jonah, he was from a place called Gata Hefer. Mm-hmm. Um, Gat just means um, wine press. Mm-hmm. So wherever there was a wine press or an important wine press, the, the city could potentially be called Gat. So we had there a were big... villages called Gat. Yeah. But um, yeah, he is the house of Ovid Edom, the Gittite. David, in particular, was surrounded in his life by a lot of Gittites who were from Gat, who were from the Philistine Gat. Mm-hmm. And that's because during David's uh, time uh, as a refugee, you know, when he was being chased by. Um, by Saul, you know, we're told that he, you know, basically, not basically, he went to uh, to Achish, who was the king of Gat. Yes. He was hiding out with the Gittites in um, in Philistia, and he was... You know why they brought David in as a Gittite? Why they let him come to that place? Why? You have any idea? I mean, because he was an enemy of Saul, and your enemy's enemy is your friend. No, because he beat Goliath. <laughs> he was a hero no. for them. He was, he was a champion. I think he, they, it's like in football terms where you have this great guy who plays for one team, yeah. and next thing you know, he's available. He's a free agent, so you bring him on your team. Oh. He beats you every year. Well, but, but when push came to shove, they <laughs> yeah. said, we don't trust exactly. David. Exactly. We know, maybe we'll be against Saul, and he'll yeah. come out to war against us. Exactly. Um, and they remembered that, wait a minute, this is the guy who killed our hero. Exactly. Um, and so they really were untrusted. Of David, mm. um, but how? But you know, it's really. I want to look at some of these Gittites that were around David. Can yes, we, can we do that real quick? Yes. Um, let's see. There's also one amongst the, amongst the thirty. Were there even a couple on the, amongst the three or no? Um, the 
30 and the 3. I can't tell you I remember. <laughs> no. I love when they talk about the 30 not, and the 3. Apparently. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, that's in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Mm. Uh, or no. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, let's see. Where are we now that you've distracted me? <laughs> All right. So 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 15 is a really interesting passage. It's where David is fleeing from, from, uh, from Avshalom or Absalom. Uh, in verse 17, it says... Uh, and the king went out, and all the people at his uh, at his feet, literally it says, and they stood uh, 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 outside uh, far away, and all of his servants were passing before him, and, the, and it says, and all the Crete and all the Plate, and the Crete apparently were Cretans mm-hmm. from Crete, mm-hmm. or actually they may have been Philistines whose ancestors came from Crete, and the Plate were also some sort of Philistine. Um, these were bands of soldiers mm-hmm. who were loyal to David, and they were probably what we would call today foreign mercenaries. Mm-hmm. In other words, they joined David during his time as, as an outlaw, when uh, and literally an outlaw. He was outside the law. Saul was the law, and, and David was his enemy. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was, you know, he had this these you know band of merry men that surrounded him, and and some of them were were Philistines. And it says all the Gittites, six hundred men who uh, who came uh, came with him from Gat. Uh, so we so wow. so we've got these Philistines, three bands of Philistines, the Gittites and the Cretans and the and the Pletans. I don't know what Pletans are. Um, and then it talks in verse nineteen, the very next verse. And the king said to Etai the Gittite. Now, who's Etai the Gittite? He's the king's advisor. He's his right hand man. Yes. Uh, he becomes a general, and or he is a general. And you may think, well, of course. It, uh, now, now let, let's stop before we read verse yeah, two yeah, Samuel fifteen nineteen. Tell me what the controversy was about Oved Edom the Gittite. That were you were yeah, so you were called to task this, for this. Called to task Tell for me this why. because I was saying that you know Obed Edom. Uh, he, I said he was the Gittite that got it right. He invited the name to his house. <laughs> who got and, it right? Yeah, he got it right. I so said, Goliath was the Gittite who got, got it wrong. wrong. He got it wrong. He didn't want anything to do with the uh, you know the God of Israel. He actually cursed the God and of he Israel. Cursed the God of Israel. And, and what people said was no, Obed Edom was not uh, could not could not have, could not have been. A Philistine. A Philistine. He, he had, had to be an Israelite. He had to be an Israelite. Because no Gittite would have anything to do, do with the Ark of God. Why would right. David bring... Couldn't be, right. Yeah. Even though this is in, near Gibeon or somewhere around Gibeon. Right. And it was a big we, deal. It was yeah. a big problem. Oh, yeah. This was an international controversy. <laughs> so here we're reading about Etai the Gittite. And if we base it on the same ideas, what your people are talking about, you know, where mm-hmm. you, were, you were brought to task and say, wait, he's a Gittite. He's got to be an Israelite. Mm-hmm. But it goes on. And the king says, why should you go also with us? Go and dwell with the king, meaning with Absalom. It says, Kinochriata, for you're a foreigner, you're a Gentile. That's mm-hmm. the word that means Gentile. And it says, also, you are an exile from your uh, from your place. Meaning, this isn't even your fight. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to come with me fleeing from Absalom? You're a foreigner. You're, you're Whoever pays your salary, you'll be loyal to. Exactly. You know, Absalom will be fine with you. Don't, you don't have to come with us. You're not even an Israelite. This isn't your fight. Um, and, and Etai refuses, and he does go with, with David. Um, but isn't that interesting? And then, and then verse 21 says, and, and uh, Etai uh, answered the king, and he said, Chai Yehovah, mm. as Yehovah lived by the life of Yehovah and by the life of my Lord the and king. And give that reference again. That's 2 Samuel fifteen twenty one. Yep. Um, so here, this Gittite, who's a Gentile, he's explicitly stated to be a Gentile. Um, he's swearing by the name of Yehovah, saying, no, I'm going wherever you're going. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I swear by the life and, and of Yehovah and by your life, the king. And, and, and the reason cool. why this is really interesting to me is that, is that we have examples, and we could, do the, we could do a study on this, examples of people who came and joined themselves with Israel who mm-hmm. were not, quote unquote, Israelites in blood, but ended up joining them and becoming mm-hmm. significant. You know, and, yeah. and, and again, when we have the situation with Obed-Edom, what you said that was really interesting was the job that Joshua had given to those people. To um, the Gibeonites. To, to the Gibeonites. Yeah. And including, you know, you're thinking they're going to cut wood and, and water, and then it adds... For the uh, altar. For the altar. <laughs> right. They're temple servants. That, that, that's the term, temple servants. Um, they, Amazing. You know, and, and we have a picture of a temple servant with Samuel. Yeah. You know, Samuel is this little boy, and he says, okay, you've been dedicated to Yehovah. Here, go work at the temple. Mm. And they're like, wait a minute. Is Samuel even a Levite? He's definitely not a Kohen. He's definitely not a priest. What's he doing in there? Well, he's been given over to the temple. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I don't have a problem with Obed Edom being a, uh, a Gentile, meaning a, a non Israelite, and having to deal with the ark. And I think this is the point. David's thinking, you know, we, 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 I can't have any more of my people die. This is really bad. You know, Uzzah was this holy guy and he died. Let's just, you know, let's not deal with this. Mm-hmm. And he puts it in the house of Obed Edom the Gittite. And yeah, let's read on. Well, and again, he puts it in his household. And after three months, he finds out Yehovah has blessed the house of Obed Edom and all that belongs to him on account. And it then says, why? It does, you know, just, it, I mean, it, the, the verse literally says, 
David finds out that Obed-Edom has got a blessing in his house. And the reason is the Ark of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and David is not a dummy. He's sitting and thinking, now, wait a minute. I, I, I turn aside. I give the Ark to, I give the Ark to Obed-Edom. And I find out for three months that everything has been blessed. And they say the reason is because of the Ark. So he has, he has second thoughts. Maybe I better go get it anyway. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. So he goes and it says... So basically he, you're saying we've got this Gentile, Ovid-Edom the, Get, Ovid-Edom Hagiti, the, mm-hmm. the Gittite, and, um, and David's jealous that he's got the Ark, which is called by the name Yehovah. And you have a great teaching on this. Yes, I gotta yeah, get, yeah. Honestly, from my perspective, this is one of your best teachings. Oh. Uh, is this in the Open Door series? It's in the Open Door series. Yeah, yeah okay. It's, in, it's actually early. But I actually first heard you teach this at... Um, at, at um where was that at the church in Smithfield mm-hmm. and there it was really cool because there was this because um, the ark was there there was an ark there was this model of the ark you yeah. know like a replica of the ark and you were preaching on this and it, it was a really powerful thing yeah. and um and you made a really good point the ark is called by the name of Yehovah and we've got the situation where the Israelite looks at that thing the ark and the name that it represents and he's terrified of it mm-hmm. and isn't that a picture you know we talked about yesterday yes. prophecy for yesterday day, today and tomorrow. Today, the reality for the for the average Jew is they're terrified of that name, Yehovah. Mm. It's frightening to them. It's too holy. We can't pronounce it. Um, and now we've got Jews who are looking and saying, what? wait a minute, why are all these Gentiles speaking the name? And some of them are starting to get jealous. Do you think that's happening? I, I do think it's happening. But you yes. really think that's happening? I do. Because what's so interesting about what you're saying and is... I think my people need to go up like David and take the name back. We need to be in Jerusalem. Look, we're, get, no, we're in Jerusalem right we're now. We're getting no, the no, blessing. No, no. We need a piece of that. We're in Jerusalem. That blessing we're of the name of Jehovah. We're away for this whole thing happening. And you're saying you think it's possible that maybe there's a, there's something about the whole idea of uh, David looking over and saying, wait a minute. Wait Jehovah a minute. seems to be blessing that Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark which is called by the name. Because of the ark which is called by the name, so let, let, we should we should not be afraid of Yehovah. Wouldn't it be amazing if the, if the Jewish people would would decide to take the name back? I think that would be. I think we would be so blessed. Yeah. I think we'd be. I think it would bless the whole world. Yeah. I think you're 100% certainly the people right. of Israel. I tell you what, and I, you you've come a long way. And let me just stop. I'm probably getting a little trouble for this. You'll probably beat me up after this. But look, we, we're recording uh, well, two of these two, two, two or three <laughs> the, two of the three of these uh, in, in one day. Yeah. But uh, Nehemia, just regarding this, because we're talking about the name, and we're going to stay within the time frame here. But I think this is really interesting because you and I we went through we went through a really difficult process of trying to determine how to bring the information to the average person, and we were concerned. You want to get you do get concerned. Is someone going to be like Uza and be irreverent? With the name of God and 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 not treated in the way that it should be treated. So the other balance of that is, well, let's just stay away from it completely. So the rabbi saying, let's just stay away from it completely. Now you let's used exile to, be, it to the house of Obed Edom the Gittite. Let me just say this: in the, in the first few years, I fought you because you'd be so conservative, and you'd say, "Well, you know, maybe diplomatic. it's this." Is that what you call it, Nehemiah? I think I'm a very what diplomatic happened? person. By Why nature? do you go from this diplomacy to writing this study? I'm going to bring it up again, which now by far is probably the most important study that Nehemiah has ever done. Other than the name, this is number two regarding the issue of Jupiter and, and the way that you did it with Yahweh. So you said something in the middle of the study about people potentially um, maybe not understanding, not un- clearly not understanding what they're doing, but what, what the root of it would be, which is really a explosive issue. Right. I mean, and then on the other end of it, you're sharing with people, here's what we see in the Hebrew manuscripts regarding the name. What happened to you? What's this? I th- I still, you know, look, what I don't want to do, and I th- still think, I-, I consider myself to be extremely diplomatic, and if people want to criticize me that for that, I'm fine. I, if people actually listen to the study, what I, what I don't want to do is hit people over the head with the Torah scroll. Right. I don't want to hit them over the head with the name of Yehovah. I don't want to be the word police. What I want to do is empower people with information. And mm-hmm. that's what I did in, the, in that study. I said, here are the sources. Let's look at the sources and understand the sources. Then you work it out for yourself in fear and trembling with prayer and study. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying, this is now the doctrine. And anyone who doesn't say yeah, it yeah, is yeah. a pagan heathen who should be cast. I'm not saying that at all. Right. I'm saying, look, this is what the sources are. It was a pretty the, ca- the, the compelling pe- title, though. Catchy. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, look, I... I and what I say in the study is, look, it's not that I'm saying it. This is what the people who are for who those are, who don't know. Who are is, what's the it. title called, Nehemiah? Are you have you been praying to Jupiter? <laughs> <laughs> Diplomatic. <laughs> put, 
but that's really the question. But I'm glad that you and, did. And the, and the point for those who haven't listened to the study is that the people who cooked up this name Jupiter in the in the 1800s, is particularly the scholar named Gesenius, he actually says, "Well, how do we know it's Yahweh?" Because because the Greek the Latin pronunciation of Jupiter is um, is Yahweh, and that can't be a coincidence to him. To him, that must be the source of the Hebrew name. Um, you know, we're having a common source from Egypt. And um, and this is the guy who is the source for like you know somebody said to me he said well you should give more credit to the Encyclopedia Judaica I'm sure they looked up their sources I looked up their sources <laughs> and this is their source a guy who's telling me that it's Yahweh because the Latins say Yahweh which is Jupiter um, sorry I can't accept that and so it's not that I'm saying it this is what it says it in, this is, these are the guys who are think, saying it I looked in the source where Yahweh came from that's where it comes well, from what's so amazing to me one of the places is, is that is that we are you have done something really radical you haven't mm-hmm. you haven't just to let the, the Gentile uh, go and run with the name. You have said, look, I want to be able to understand it. And I want to share it. I want it. I mean, it's prophetic. It's biblical. Um, his name is going to be known. People are going to know his name. And I just think this story is such a such an amazing story because David basically said, look, I'm afraid of it. Let me give it to Obed-Edom the Gittite. Obed received it. God blessed. David said, okay, I better go back and get it. And we hope that that's the story that people do say, look, let's have what it is that's been given to us. And this is this is this is the ark of God where he's got his written word where he speaks his where he speaks his word. I mean, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. Now, I, I won't go into great depth about this, but there is a there is an, a phenomenal study which eventually we're going to share uh, uh, regarding where this place is called um, uh, where Obed Edom's house is, uh, and also where this took place for Uzzah. And and it really is something that goes in, goes into great depth. And I have to give uh, credit to my friend Yehuda Glick who did an entire study on this, which really, really, really opened my eyes to some geographical issues. So eventually I'd like to be able to share that. I'd love for you to see it. But I want to thank you, Nehemiah, for going with me. Just tell them about one thing. We went to the five cities of Gat. We went where the ark went. Well, the I five mean, cities of the Philistines. Well, the Philistines. I'm sorry, God. Yeah, well, we, we actually didn't go to Gaza. We, didn't, no, we were <laughs> we, went, we, went, we saw Gaza. And we went to the four cities of the Philistines. We went to four cities of the gifts of the Philistines. So anyway, so the story and we saw the fifth one. Is that, that David? David now is going to bring it back, and there's 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 a really interesting thing here. It's, it, it talks about what happened when they decided to bring the ark back. It says, "With the bears of the ark of, of Jehovah had gone six paces, they sacrificed an ox and and a fatling," is what it says here. Mm-hmm. So literally, they went six steps. David said, "We're going to be sure to be holy before this." Like they took six steps. Uh, they had the. Um, now, do you have a this. spiritual teaching about why it was six, six, and six? Uh oh. <laughs> no, let's move on. <laughs> so David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of Jehovah with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. One interesting fact I just like to bring up: I do think it's really interesting that David now has it where the where the the priests are carrying the ark. Before that, it, the ark was on a cart. Where does it ever say anything about an ark being on a cart? In other words, when transferring the ark, there were actually specific Well, there rules. were poles. Yeah, there were so poles. So they were carrying the poles. Exactly. But I'm saying, so now when he when he does decide to bring it back, he must have asked the question, well, how is the ark supposed to be trans... Uh, you know, how was it travel? How did it travel? And so, and, and that's what actually... So you're saying basically David said, okay, we had this tradition... And, and remember, I'm not saying for sure, but I mean, well, it, it, I mean, one place we know the ark was on the cart is when it came back from the Philistines. Yeah, Philistines exactly. stuck it on a cart. Yep. And now David's saying maybe we need to get biblical here. Exactly. Let's, let's get biblical. Let's get biblical. Yeah, let's go back to what it says in the Torah. And, <laughs> hey, that's a and, great title. And, let's try to do a show. Let's get biblical. And I, I think th- we should do that. We should do a <laughs> program called Let's, let's get, biblical. get Biblical. That's Absolutely. what David did. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So can we read, ver- and we're not going to read the whole thing here because we're running out of time. Yeah, but yeah, let's, yeah. Can we read verse 18? Yes, we have to. And just mention can you read it? Yes. And verse 18 further, he distribute. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Verse when David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name Yehovah Zabaot. Now, he didn't actually say the name Yehovah. He said, in the name of Adonai. No, no, no. He blessed him in the name. But you, in your Hebrew, does it say Adonai? Or no, no, no. Yehovah? It says Yehovah. Oh, wow. Yep. He blessed okay. him in the name. All right. But I thought the name was a secret that no, they never heard. No, no, no. David understood. He brought the name back. He, wasn't he didn't afraid whisper of the blessing under his no, breath. No, absolutely. Can we talk about the dancing? Yes. Okay. So, uh, can you read verse 20? Yes. And so, but when David returned to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. So David... That's because he was dancing naked. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had, you know, he had... Well, he probably took his shirt off and... Yeah, know, I mean, he, 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 he was... Linen, he, look, we say in Yiddish, how I was raised, he was getting real... He was very labadic. He was, you know, moved by his heart. Mm-hmm. And Michal, who is the daughter of a king, 
Now, remember, her father was a shepherd. He grew up, but, mm-hmm. you know, but she doesn't remember that. She grew up as a queen that's mm-hmm. or, a, or a princess. That's all mm-hmm. she knows. And then she married a king. And in her eyes, the king is too distinguished. And look, I, I, you know, David was half-dressed. If he were up there in Syria with ISIS, they'd have flogged him. And he would definitely be kicked out of the Baptist church for, mm-hmm. for what he was doing. Am I, am I right? No, no question. And, um, and there's plenty of synagogues he would be kicked out of. No question. But here he was before the ark, and he was being moved by his heart to dance before Jehovah. And you know, you know, I have to be honest. It's hard for me not to think about David's earlier experience with Uzzah. You know, he's seeing what yeah. happens. You know, it says he's afraid of Jehovah. The things gets changed. He gets biblical. He has people sacrificing. He has the the priest carrying the ark, and he's dancing before Jehovah. Clearly, mm-hmm. it's like it's like he's he's at a place of you know all out commitment. Here it is. I don't care what anyone thinks. I can be the king. But before him, who am I? You know, he's just dancing and worshiping before yeah. before Jehovah. So uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 has the parallel. Please go read it. In 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 17 verses 1 to 15, I want to mm. encourage people to go read both passages side by side mm. and compare them. You'll learn a lot of interesting things. It is really amazing. Now, the second part of it, uh, Nehemiah, I'm gonna, I, I mean, we, we've talked about this actually before um, regarding what happened. So where are we at right now? I, I'm jumping ahead because you know, yes. we're, we're not on time. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 3 I want to talk about. Got you. So we have the phrase there and... Uh, and Natan said to the king, Nathan, Natan the prophet, all that is in your heart, go and do, go mm. do, ki Yehovah imach, for Yehovah is with you. Mm. And this is a phrase, a concept that we have repeatedly throughout the Tanakh. I'm sure we've talked about this, mm-hmm. but Yehovah being with someone, um, you know, is this repeated, is a central concept. Um, he actually said, I will be with you to, mm-hmm. um, to, to Moses. Let me bring you that one. Um, that's a common phrase. For example, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, even in Genesis twenty six three, Jehovah says to um, to uh, Abraham, He says, I will be with you." I think that's to Abraham. And then, in, uh, let's skip ahead. There's a bunch of places. "I will be with you" is this phrase that appears over and over. Exodus three twelve, when Jehovah reveals Himself to Moses at the burning bush, He says, I will be with you." And then He says, "I will be with your mouth." Um, and here, here's this idea of Yehovah being with somebody, mm-hmm. um, and and that actually goes back to the core of what Yehovah's, Yehovah's name is. Mm-hmm. He's Hayahovei, he who was, he who is, and he who is to come, he who will be. And it's not just that he exists, which he does, but he's the one who's going to be with us. Amen. He is, and he's with us. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So then, and again, what was it that was in his mind? David was dealing with the issue of wanting, yes, he's brought the ark there, and now he wants to deal with the issue of building a a house, as we already talked about, right. a house for the name, a house right. for Yehovah, a house for the ark, a house for you yeah. know, the things. And so, and, and it says here, when he says, go ahead and do that, I, I will be with you. But in the same night, yeah, the word of Yehovah came unto Nathan, go and say to my servant David, thus says Yehovah, are you the one who should build? And I like this phrase. It says, are you the one who should build me a house to dwell in? I'm building your house. You don't need to build my house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but interesting, he says, me, a house to dwell in. And again, and we see this phrase over and over again. What is the house being built for? Mm-hmm. A house for the name, the name mm-hmm. being built, build the house. Shall I build the house? You know, et cetera. So again, speaking of his name. Uh, for I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. But, and then here's where it says, now this is Yehovah speaking to him. And I really, really love this phrase. But I have been moving about. I've been moving about. And what is he talking about? I've been moving about in a tent, even in a, uh, he says, uh, even in a, uh, a mishkan, even in a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, you have the perspective of the people. Mm-hmm. You have the perspective of what we're seeing happening. And then you have the words of Yehovah saying, look, yes, in my presence has been moving about. And what was the, what was the represent, representation of his presence? What was the representation of his presence? Where was the ark? I want to be careful about the word presence because okay. that could mean different things to different people. Okay. But definitely the ark was the place where Moses would hear the voice of Yehovah, and, and it was a holy object, yes. and it contained the, um, you know, and we could see how holy it is. The guy stretches out his hand to touch it, and he, and he gets yeah. stricken down. And so. what I think is interesting, when I think about the ark, I actually think about it from the perspective of the, the, the written word and the spoken word. Mm-hmm. The written word on the inside, the spoken word on the outside, okay. basically. And then, of course, it being called um, um, by his name. By so, the name Yehovah. Yeah, yeah, so it just really is pretty amazing. Um, he's talking about, but how have you not, it says here, where I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, which I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, 7, 8. Can I continue? Yeah, yeah I'm, Thus I'm, I'm waiting. Thus you shall say to my servant 14. David. Good. Thus says Yehovah of hosts. It took you from pasture, from following sheep. He's reminding David yeah. where he came from and 
what he did for him. He says, I'm going to make you into a great name. This is all preparing for what it is, the promise that comes to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, appointing a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. May it be. <laughs> Nor will oh, the wicked afflict them anymore as formerly. Even from that day I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Yehovah also declares to you, the Lord will make a house for you. <laughs> mm. Now we're talking about the promise to David. I mean, in other words, we're talking about him wanting to make a house for him and you just said it. Now I'm talking about making a house for you. And so... Um, and it says in verse 12, when you're, I'm getting to your verse, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, and we've done prophet plural sections on this, what happened with David and what happened regarding the, the, the promise to Solomon, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. This is again, this messianic promise of what's going to happen, that David's going to be established, his line's going to be established I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Ooh, can we talk about that? <laughs> we can say that. Let's stop and wow. ask and see what that says. Let's read it. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if you'd be willing um, willing to, to, to... And we've talked about this before, I yeah. think, this idea. But you know, I love this concept. We have this idea. Jehovah says, I will be for him a son, meaning your descendant. Your, yes. Your, your descendant. And he will be for me... Uh, I will be for him a father, and he will be for me a son. And then the parallel, one, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 13, he says the same thing. I'll be for him a father, and he will be for me a son. And it says, In my, my, my grace or my righteousness, I will not uh, take, remove from him, I won't take away from him. As, as I took it away from he who was before you, meaning Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning your son, I'm going to choose uh, you know, that line forever. Um, the one who I choose is my son. And then we have 1 Chronicles 28, 6. Um, Let's see. It says, Here, um, David is saying um, uh, that God said to him, Your son Solomon, he will build my house and my courtyards, for I have chosen him for me as a son, and I will be for him a father. That's 1 Chronicles 28.6. So we've got these three witnesses, three passages that speak about the king of Israel, the anointed, the Messiah, the one from the line of David, who comes after David, in this case Solomon, is God's chosen son. Mm-hmm. And that, is, I believe, is a picture of the Messiah who will come, that he is a son of God, that Jehovah has chosen him. And, um, and, and and I know for my Jewish brothers and sisters who are hearing this, we don't talk about this in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. This is a difficult concept for some Jews, and, and but it shouldn't be, because we definitely have this idea in, for example, Deuteronomy 14, where Jehovah says, you are sons of uh, of God, you, you know, mean to all of Israel, mm-hmm. um, and explains what that means. It means you're holy, it means you're chosen. And what he's saying here is the King Messiah, who will come from the line of David, will be God's chosen son. Give God He's praise. Good. Amen. You know, I'll tell you God. something interesting Hallelujah. you said about this. You said uh, for Jews sometimes that this is a difficult concept. Right. And it's, I remember one of the things that you and I did a long time ago in the when we were writing our book, A Prayer to Our Father, Hebrew Origins of Lawrence Prayer, the first part, and said, Our Father, and you're like, okay, well, I don't care about that section. That let's, section. Let's move on quickly. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Christian concept with Father until we did what? We opened up the book. Yeah. We opened up the Bible, and we started seeing over and over again of Yehovah being a father, and, 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 and the name Father being the title father being given to different people. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think what I appreciate about what you're saying right now is that there are some things that are uncomfortable. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a, a son. Well, wait, is, is that a concept that that's okay for us? Well, it's right here. Mm-hmm. It's right here in the scripture. So I think we got to let the scripture speak and then we go. Amen. From there. All Amen. right. Can we read verse 16? Yes. Or did you have something on this verse? No, 10? no, go ahead. All right. Oh, go ahead. You read verse 16. No, no, no. Uh, no, I, what I liked was verse 15. It says, oh, But my sorry. loving kindness yeah. shall not depart from him, as I yeah. took it away from Saul, whom I re- removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established for worth a couple thousand years. Until we go to establish a different religion. <laughs> no, it's forever. It's forever. Wow. Yeah. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. I think that's pretty amazing. I think this is amazing. Here, here, this is an amazing path, and I know we had to run through it, but you know, I do, do think we hit the key points, mm. and there's a bunch of other points. Obviously, I want to encourage people go study this for yourself and post your comments on chemiswall.com and uh, Keith's website bfainternational.com uh, on the section related to this this week's portion and share what you've learned, mm-hmm. please. You know, mm-hmm. th- this is go to your homework and, and you know share what you've learned. I want to do something. I want people. Uh, you know, normally we stop and we talk about our ministries and, and we talk about you know what we're doing. And I'm sure some people are like, okay, let me get through that part. But you know what, Nehemia, let's just be honest. We were talking about this. I was actually talking to Nehemia's mother about this. 
um, the significance of what ministry is and, and how, I, mean, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago, but again, how many people that we have that are, that are listening or that are being engaged uh, by word, by what we're doing, and I, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as a way for let's let's stick out our chest and talk about how many people. But I think it's a really amazing thing that right now we can be here doing this recording, push a button, and this information goes literally around the world. I mean, is it's humbling? <laughs> it's humbling. I just it's so humbling. I mean, think about that. I mean, literally, we 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 don't even have to talk about the statistics, but there are thousands of people mm-hmm. who are going to sit and listen for forty five minutes to an hour. On this, and I, you know, I, I don't. I, I say I would say I would like to say to you, thank you for continuing to keep the the position of giving access to the information. And some people would be like, well, Keith, you know, um, give us give us more of your perspective, or Nehemiah, you know, beat up the Christians, 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 do something with the Jews. I just think this is a blessing to let the Word of God speak. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a blessing. Well, what it really we is doing? the picture We're of, the of Amos 3.3, 3, coming exactly. together on the common ground of the Word yeah, of God. Yeah, so I want to say, you know, again, our ministries, we have two different ministries. I'll let you talk about um, your, your ministry, bfainternational.com. It was established really as a result of a meeting with you where I, where I was sitting across from that place and seeing again those big stones and thinking, what would it be like to have that kind of a biblical foundation for people's faith? That's really what this whole thing is about for me. And I just have to say, all these years later, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, it's happening. It's mm-hmm. actually happening. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. Well, my ministry, McCore Hebrew Foundation, people can go to my website, nechemiswell.com. Sign up for my free newsletter, get the weekly updates. I just want to, that's the plug for the ministry. I yeah, want to yeah. go talk about something. You know, you talked about how we, 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 you know, your ministry was founded when we went to the Western Wall together mm-hmm. and there were the giant stones and you wanted that to be, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. they were the foundation stones and that gave you this image of, you know, the Biblical Foundations Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know for me, I'll, you know, I go to the Western Wall and stand before these ancient stones. They've been there for thousands mm-hmm. of years and they were put on the spot where uh, Zerubbabel before him had built the, the, the temple and on the spot where Solomon before him had built the temple. And I stand there and I'm like, I'm standing here at the place where, I'm, you know, where, where Jeremiah walked down this street on, and then. David walked down that street. On, and, and, and it really, to me, it's like unbelievable. I, I'm, you know, and now I'm thinking about the ark traveling around. I don't know if I told you about this place, but uh, there is this, this one particular place in Israel where there's an ancient bridge. And, um, and it's exactly in the area where geographically where the Philistines, when they left the battlefield at Evan Ha'ezer, at Ebenezer, they would have crossed that bridge over this Nahal, over this, you know, Wadi. Mm. And, um, and maybe it's not the same bridge because the bridge has been replaced, but the bridge would have been at that site, at that spot. Cause that's where, a, why haven't we gone there? I, I don't know. <laughs> we can go there. Um, and I, and you know, and I remember going on a hike and, and going over that bridge and thinking like, I am passing over the exact spot where the ark, which is called by the name of Jehovah, passed. Mm. And, and it's just amazing being here in the land. And, and and in a sense, it's really empowering. Like I said, my ministry is about yes. empowering people yes. with information. I know I'm empowered when I go to these biblical spots. And I say, you know what? I don't need any rabbi to be my intermediary. I don't need any rabbi to be you know my interpreter. Here I can interact directly with the creator of the universe by, by you know going to the places that he talks about in Scripture and reading those biblical passages and just being moved by it. I mean, mm-hmm. I believe that is the spirit oh, of no, Yehovah. Yehovah is doing things. You know, we, we read a few weeks ago um, about, you know, how David, by the spirit, you know, uh, had this, you know, this yeah. knowledge. And, and I believe Yehovah is doing things with his spirit now for the people of Israel, for, for the people around the world. In fact, yeah. there's, um, there's David's out there and there's Obed-Edom, the Gittites out there. And I think this is such an era of blessing that we live in where we have this opportunity. Well, do us a favor, folks. Share uh, Prophet Pearls with people. There's no requirement. There's no registration. You can click on uh, NehemiahsWall.com, BFAInternational.com, and you can listen to. Now, I think we have up to this point 24 or so of these things that have been done. We're yeah. going to get to all the way until 54. we got a big process ahead of us, uh, two or three of these a day. I'm not feeling the best, but I will say when we open up the Bible and we start talking, I start feeling better. And then as soon as it's done, I feel bad again. I want to, I'm collapse <laughs> so you got to pray done. for us and have me to end. But All is right. there anything you'd like to say before we uh, before we end this section? I, no, let's just let's okay. yeah, let's close it out. Yehovah, thank you so much for bringing us here to Jerusalem to this place, so close to the place where you put your name forever to the Temple Mount to in, in the city of Jerusalem. We're we're here in Jerusalem and in this in this cave in this uh, little apartment in a base sub basement. But it's such a blessing to be here, to be here of all places, to have this opportunity 
to come before you and, and speak about your word and for that word to go around the world. And, you know, we have the verse where it says the Torah shall go forth from Zion and, and to be part of that. Yes. To be part of nation, people coming from all the nations, as it says in Isaiah 2, and for then the Torah to go forth from Zion. I, I am so humbled by this, Yehovah, and so grateful for you for sharing your blessing, mm-hmm. for sharing your name with your people and your Torah, this amazing blessing you've given to us, this Torah. And these prophets, these 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 revelations are, are such a such a beautiful blessing, a gift to the world, Yehovah. I'm so grateful for this gift. Um, Yehovah, I pray that you, like in the time of David, you give us rest from our enemies round about. Mm-hmm. And that you, as it says here in, in the book of Samuel, that there will be the one who you choose as your son, who is from the line of David, who is a descendant of David. Yehovah, please bring your chosen son and rebuild the house of David mm-hmm. soon in our days, Yehovah. Um, Yehovah, please let let all mankind um, know that you, Yehovah, are Elohim, that you are the one and only, and uh, let all mankind know your son, the one you have chosen and will send to the world to defeat the enemies of Israel, to gather in the exiles, the exiles of Israel, and the ones who are who are exiled, like Oved Edom the Gittite and Etai the Gittite, to bring them to you out of the spiritual exile in which they are in and and to bring world peace, Yehovah, so that the swords are beaten into plowshares. And may this be soon, Yehovah. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com.